We're going to continue in our called series today, and and uh, I I, ne- I never forget the time I was reading about um, uh, from a, a, a pastor that I've always followed for a long time, and and he and he wrote this devotion one day, and and in that devotion he said, um, you know, some people are E G R, extra grace required. You, you, ever, you ever been around, some folks, should, you, you ever notice people, there's some people that should come with a warning label? You, you ever notice that? Like, it just, hey, I'm high maintenance, you know, or I, I'm EGR, you know, extra grace required. And, and, and truthfully, and, and as I was driving down the road weeks later, I read that many years ago, and I thought, there, there, there are people in this world that I am the person that they just need extra grace with. And, and I can't fathom that. Uh, it's hard for me to accept that, but there are people out there that, you know, pray, God, give me patience with Jason. And I don't know who you are, but I don't like you anyway. And, uh, I'm just making that up. I just wanted to see if y'all were awake, uh, but, but it's true, man. All of us, you know, and we, you know, we live in a day and you know, you've been around people like that, that there, there are, there are just some people that for whatever reason, they're just extra work for you, right? Okay, you know, don't, 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 you know, don't start thinking of people and getting locked into bad thoughts, you know, because there's some people you can think of and your attitude just goes south, right? I'm not talking about those kind of folks. I'm saying there's just certain personality types that really make it hard, and, and I think that's the way it is. It's just hard for us. You've seen times in your life where you're like, oh, I don't want to deal with them, man, or, or certain situations because time is costly. Time is one of those things that, that we, we really do, you know, uh, we all use this word busy all the time. You think about it, it, it. Think about how often, think about how often you're approached and people say, hey, oh, I, I would have, I, I, I don't want to bother you. I, I know you're so busy. Busy makes us feel like we are important. Busy uh, is often a way for us to feel like, you know, that we just don't, people don't want to be bothered, especially in, in 2020. We all live lives that are rapid rapid-paced, but we're going to look at some words with Jesus today that are going to, I think, shine some light on that. We, it's tough because we live in a world that, that, that I don't see it going the other way. We, we just live in a world now that is increasingly self-absorbed. And that's, just, that's just the reality. I mean, who would have thought, you guys, no kidding, who would have thought that it would, have, it would be normal Right? Even, even 10 years ago, who would thought that it would be commonplace, nobody would question it, everybody would think it's just normal, for you know, people to create digital shrines to themselves and just you know, click, you know, this is me eating, you know, click, this is me with my awesome friends, you know, click, this is me with my fish, you know, click, this is me with my new hair, you know, which, I mean, no kidding. And I mean, but, you know, we all have done it. I mean, I've, I'm guilty. We've all done it. But who would have thought that would be normal behavior? That, that we create these digital shrines to our awesome lives. I, 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 there, I don't know. I kind of feel compelled as a dad to, to be on Instagram a little bit because my, my son's there. And then I, you know, but I, I'm, can I, you know, just time out for a second. Can I just a little group therapy for me? The, I get sick of it. Because I scroll through and it's like every person I know, it's just pictures of them. I'm like, I already know what you look like. (laughs) It's just pictures of them, pictures of them, pictures of them, pictures of them. And I'm like, this is insanity. 
you know? And, but yet, we've all, I mean, you know, there's nobody in here, if you've got social media, I guarantee you, you've taken a selfie at some point. So we're pointing the fingers at ourselves. It made me think of what Paul said in 2 Timothy. Look at what Paul said on the screen. But realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self. Think about that. I think social media maybe is just a reflection of that in a lot of ways. Social media isn't good. It isn't bad. It's, it, it's, it's, it's non-emotional. It's a-emotional. It, but it is interesting to me that as believers, we're, we're called to be the antithesis of that. So today in this called series, we're going to talk about uh, called to go beyond. Called to go beyond. And, 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 and what does it mean to be called to go beyond? Well, it, it, you know, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, and if you have a Bible, let's go there. Matthew 5 is where we're going. Called to go beyond. If we're God's people, we're called to go beyond. And, and if you've if you got a new American, sta- I mean, if you've got a, uh, a digital version like on your phone or something, it's the new American N- NASB. Matthew 5, verse 38. Jesus said, You have heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, verse 39, Matthew 5, 39, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. I've never liked that verse, ever, 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 ever. Verse 40, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let them have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to them who ask of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Once again, Jesus says hard things. These are hard things. But there's a motive behind it. There's a motive behind why would Jesus talk like this? And what, what is he getting at when he says, because you've, you know, turned the other cheek. You've, you've heard that phrase. Uh, and most people outside of Christian culture have even heard that, that phrase. So, so the, the, the real question is, is that, that I've written down for myself is, how do you see your role in this world? Now, I want you to think about that before you answer it. How do you see, how do you view your role in this world. Because how you answer that question has a lot to do with what Jesus just said. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit for you. How do you personally, when you think about your own life, your own money, your own time, your own job, your own family, your own possessions, how do you see your role in this world? And it begs a bigger question, I believe, and that question I wrote down up here, does God own you or does he own parts of you? And I want you to be careful before you answer that. Does God own you or does he own parts of you? Is God important to you? Because I want to tell you, if God is important to you, then worship is optional. If God's important to you. If God is important to you, then then your possessions are under your control if God's important to you. If God's important to you, 
then your time is heavily guarded. Say, so, wait a minute, but God is important to me. That's the problem. If God's important to you, then things like worship are optional. Let me show you. You've seen this before. This is one of my legacies at Clearview. It's a, a, a drawn picture. <laughs> You've seen this before. I'm going to make sure you keep seeing it. So I'm not being repetitive or, you know, psychologists, I, I read once, uh, 87%. People, people forget 87% of what they hear in the first seven minutes. So I really should preach the same sermon at least for a month. And then we, you know. But, but I'm going to keep showing you this because I, I really believe it is the New Testament mindset in a drawing. And it's just something that I came up with years ago. If God is the biggest part of your life, you can see on there, if you're driving down the road, and, and, and this is a, a pie chart, and, and God's the biggest part of the pie. And, and that's where most people, yeah, God is important to me. And then other things, maybe you could probably fill all kinds of stuff in the other sections of the pie chart, but your money, your family, your hobby, your friends, uh, your career, things that matter to you, whatever it is. If God is the most important thing to you, then I'm going to tell you that you, you've got a real problem because in that scenario there, God only owns part of you. And that, that right there is not New Testament Christianity. It is not. If that is how your life looks, God's the biggest part. That is not New Testament Christianity. New Testament Christianity looks like this, that God is the center, and out of my relationship with him, that's how I view my money, that God dictates how I look at my money. God dictates what I pursue. God dictates how I lead my family. God, God dictates what kinds of people, friends, that I let around me. God dictates time management. What's important to him is what's important to me. You see, God dictates my career path. That, friends, is New Testament Christianity. That is New Testament Christianity. That, that God is at the epicenter and out of him Everything, so we talk a lot about worldviews around here. You'll hear me use that word. And worldviews are a lot like these uh, glasses I've had to start wearing in, in post 40 uh, life, which is still a little weird that I have to put these on at times. But, but they frame up, they, they, they frame up everything that I see. And so, based on literally the prescription, it will dictate the perceptions that I have. And that's called a worldview. Your worldview comes from your story, your parents, your education, heavily from your life experiences, your biases, things that you just believe, things that you've seen. That's your worldview. And when I came to Jesus, I had to get a new set of lenses. And one of those biggest parts was how I looked at everything. If God owns only part of you, even if it's the biggest part, you're in trouble. But you say, Jason, wait a minute, don't we get free will? Absolutely you do. You get free will to choose what you value. You get free will to choose your value options. So the, the, when you look at Jesus' words of what we just read, this, this is heavily tied into this right here. 
And the question that I thought about this week when I was studying this and just looking at it for you this morning, the question that I thought was this, if I actually believed this, that what Jesus just said, if I actually believed this, how would my life look and operate? I mean, if I actually did believe, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, resist an evil person and whoever slaps you on one cheek, turn the other how, how would my life operate differently? If somebody says, go one mile, I said, no, let's go, let's go two. Man, how would my life look? Well, we're called to go beyond. So let's take a look at that for a second. Because these aren't easy things. And, and Jesus is up to something here. The Sermon on the Mount is deep. And incredibly simple, but it confronts me every time I read it. So how would my life look and operate? Well, I, I, would, I would put that in a few categories. One, I would say wrongs done will be restored by God. If I actually believe that the words of Jesus are true, then when Jesus said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, that was an Old Testament uh, boundary that, that the Old Testament put into place with the coming of the Messiah. And, and, and so all of a sudden, the people didn't have to seek restoration. There, in other words, restoration had limits. There was a legal system there kind of involved in this. So when Jesus is talking about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth or somebody to slap you on one cheek and turn the other... Um, you know, so let me, let me tell you what he's not saying. Okay. And listen to me really close. There are people that have taken this verse to incredible extremes. Like the, there are people that are, that, that believe it is biblical to be 100% pacifist. And I'm telling you, that is not what Jesus said. That is not what he said. I can promise you that if you come into my house, you will encounter a preacher who is not a pacifist. I will, I will invoke the old pilgrim. I mean, the Quaker, it was a Quaker that once said, once said to somebody that came into his house as a burglar, a Quaker said, uh, excuse me, sir, I, I mean thee no harm, but thou art standing where I'm about to shoot. <laughs> you know? And, and that's the truth. That, you may not even get that much from me, actually. No, G Jesus did it. Let me see what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying that we're to be doormats. There's no place in the Word of God that you're to be a doormat. Jesus had incredible strength under control. He did. So an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, is, is, the simple idea here is that justice, listen to me, justice is up to God. And what I want to say to you, friends, if you've been hurt, what this means is that revenge is never Christ-like. Revenge is never Christ-like. It's just not. Have you ever noticed that, like I've noticed about myself, I am at my creative best when I want to get back at somebody. I'm serious, man. I can come up with, ooh, i tell you what I'll do, and I can come up with stuff, man. Every, I mean, I've, I've, I've had some creative moments thinking about revenge. Because why do you want revenge? Because they deserve it. You're right. They hurt you. They, they did. Listen, and I think sometimes the hardest part about forgiving somebody is sometimes there's something inside of our minds that, that tells us, well, if I forgive them, then it makes it as if what they did was okay. And 
what they did wasn't okay. It wasn't right. It should have hurt you. It should have messed with you. That's what the devil meant for it to do. Some of you have gone through just speechlessly awful things. But I can promise you, friend, that there's no amount of retribution that you would want to dole out to somebody that is going to equal God's justice. And, and truth be told, you don't want any person coming under the wrath of God. Even the most evil, vile people in the world, oh, that I would wish they would come to Christ. Because let me tell you, the day they stand before a holy God, that day they will see. They will see. And so we are not called to be revenge takers, but we, are, we can defend ourselves for sure. Let me tell you, there's no honor in the world. There's no honor in watching somebody be harmed. There's no honor in letting somebody be hurt. There's no honor. Yeah, I heard a missionary once that was, uh, they, they said they, they went to, when they went to their missionary training in a hostile environment, the, the person leading the missionary school said, do not be easily killed. Interpret that however you want. Just don't be easily killed. So we understand that, that wrongs done to me will be, will be handed out by God. And, and so that's, that's what Jesus is meaning here, if, that I trust the Lord with wrongs done to me. How else would my life look different if, if this whole thing, if anyone asked to sue you, take your shirt, let them have your cloak also. You see, and, and, so I would say it this way, that, that possessions are on loan from God. Your possessions are on loan from God. So, see, in, in that day, when, 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 if somebody was asked for their shirt, ah, no big deal. But your coat, your outer garment, by law, that was off limits because somebody could like literally be exposed to the cold. Now, they didn't have, people didn't have what we have now. This might have been the only blanket they had at night, even though they lived in a small hut or, you know, people just didn't have the security that we have now in, in homes and dwellings. So Jesus is saying, no, well, wait, take my, I can give him my coat. Well, what's he getting at? He's getting at the fact that your heavenly father knows what you need, he's going to cover that in the next chapter. See, your heavenly father knows what you need. So kingdom people, if you really want to call yourself a kingdom person, I will tell you that kingdom people view their portfolios as God's portfolio. That's how they view it. Kingdom people see my portfolio as God's portfolio because I want to tell you what the options are, friend. If God, if God is not your investment planner, then I'm going to tell you, listen to me clearly, you may be wise with money, but if, if God's just important to you, if God isn't the source from all things that flow, if, if your possessions are not on loan from God... If you're in control of your possessions, then I want you to hear me very clearly. You will always get the best that you have to offer. You'll always get the best you have to offer. Did you hear? I meant to say it just like that. 
If, if you are the manager of your wealth, if you're in control of all that you have, you'll always get the best you have to offer. But when the Lord is in control of your life, when it comes to your resources, then you know how you do see yourself? You just see yourself as a manager. That my wealth, whatever it may be, my wealth is just his gain. My wealth is his glory. You know, it's interesting to me. Clearview is a, is a, is a church positioned, depending on what um, I keep up with, you know, our county. lived here 18, 19 years, and I keep up with where our county's positioned across the nation. And, and uh, depending on who you read, we're anywhere from the, uh, Williamson counties in the top seven or up to the top 15. It's, I've never seen it go beyond 15th. Wealthiest county in the nation. In the nation. Whole country. Top 10. And yet, even at our church, the biggest discussion we have as a staff all the time is how are we going to fund what God calls us to do in the seventh wealthiest county in the country? And that just ought not be. It just ought not be. It, it ought not be because, well, I'm going to get to that in a minute. I, I don't want to hit that too soon. Possessions are on loan from God is what Jesus is getting at. You can give away your coat because you know the coat maker. And then I would say, how else can we look at this verse? I would, I would say it like this. Is if, my, if, I, if I actually lived by the Sermon on the Mount, then I would say that unexpected people are sent from God. Oh, this is awful for some of you. Right? Unexpected people are sent from God. Why would you say that based on these verses? Well, look at what Jesus said, verse 41. Whoever asks you to go one mile, go two. Give to them who ask of you, and do not turn away from them that wants to borrow from you. Gosh, the second mile. Unexpected people are sent from God. You see, kingdom people, they see their time as God's time. Now, let me tell you what I'm not saying. I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that chronic person, you know, that just needy, 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 needy. No, they, you're not the answer to their issues. There's a time to cut that off, buddy, right? And sometimes that's the best thing they need is accountability and structure that they have to own it. And he's not talking about that. But you know as well as I do that when we are in a busy life and we're always busy and we're always busy and we're always busy. You know, I was telling someone not long ago, I'm like, man, in the days of landlines, it was so much better. Because if I called you and left you a message, you, I didn't, may not get you. I leave you, hey, you know, this is Jason. Give me a call back. You might call me back tomorrow. That's no big deal. But now I know that you know that, that I called you. And you know that I know that you called me. And that was bad enough when cell phones came, but now there's text messages. And there's email. 
And so everybody has their love language. Some of you are email people. Some of you are text message people. Some of you are pick up the phone and call me kind of people. And some of you are don't ever call me or contact me for any reason whatsoever kind of people. Because you're introverts, you know? And people drain you. And people like me that love to talk, you just find a way to get around us, right? A good day for you is when you can shut the door in your office and nobody knocks on it. That's a good day. I can't survive in that kind of world, all right? I can't survive in that kind of world. And you always knew who the extroverts are because we're the kind of people that several times a day we got to get up, we got to, you know, do the hay wagon. Hey, how you doing? Walk around, check on people, right? And you always know who the introverts are because they're trying not to look at you when you walk past their door, right? And none of that's bad and none of that's good. It's just how God made us. It's just how God made us. We have all kinds of gifts to bring to the table, but what Jesus is saying here is that God made people. And there's nothing more important to God than people. Nothing. People are his chief glory. God loves the mountains. He made them. But the mountains will go away, but people won't. People are eternal. Mountains are not. Work is not eternal. Aren't you glad? Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah. So kingdom people see people as God's most important possession. So in it, for some of you, you, you would go deeper with God. No kidding. Trust me. Some of you would go deeper with God if you would see, wait for it, if you would see interruptions as a gift. If you'd see interruptions as a gift. I had a, I'm thinking of a, a person that I was kind of coaching up one time. He, he came to me and he was a very disciplined man. He was, uh, in fact, most employers would have loved this guy because he, man, I mean, like, put it this way, time card fraud was, it, this guy was never going to commit that. Like, this, he was laser focused on his job. And he had a big job. But people would, they would come to him, and, and we were talking one time, and he, and he said, I'm, he said, you know, uh, a lot of my team doesn't really like me a whole lot, I don't think. I said, well, tell me when we talked about it a little bit and having lunch one day. And, and he said, well, you know, because when they knock on my door, I'm, you know, oh, yeah, what's up? And, 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 he, and he said, they, they just need to ask me something. And I'll say, hey, you need to send me a meeting request. I'm working on something right now. And I said, okay, let's start with that. Okay. I, I mean, I get it. I, I mean, I get it. Some of you may do that. I'm, I'm just saying, when one of your teammates just needs to ask you something, and you say, send me a meeting request, you hear, hey, I've got my, I mean, you have this operational calendar, man, and you're, you're, a, you're, a, you're an NFL player when it comes to that. But let me tell you what they hear. What they hear is, you're a jerk. Because you're not. You're not a jerk. What, what your teammates that you lead, what they hear from you is, you don't have time for me, and I work for you. That's what they hear. Now, granted, if this is a chronic nuisance person, that's one thing. We all got those. No, this is, but I said, I want, I want to say something to you. What, what could be more important to a leader? What could be 
What could be a bigger compliment to a leader than his teammates asking to be led? That's a huge compliment. They're coming to you because you've got the wisdom. I said, now the good part of you is you're like wicked discipline. Like, I mean, I want to have a whole other conversation with you about your calendar because I need some of that. And I do. But I said, I said, listen, let's use, your, let's use your gifts to your advantage. People wear you out. I get it. I mean, that, that's not good or bad. Some of you that are wicked introverts, you don't need to feel bad about that. I mean, really, no matter how much I try to make you feel bad about it, you don't need to feel bad about that. That was a joke. That's a pretty good joke. You didn't get it. But, but you don't need to feel bad about that. But what you do need to understand is you have strengths. So my friend, just off the top of my head, I said, why don't you do this? Why don't you, because if it's on your calendar, you have mental permission. That's kind of how he, he looked at his calendar as mental permission for things that were important to him. And I said, why don't you do this? Why don't you schedule people time? Now, don't let anybody see that. They're going to think you're kind of strange. Like, you got to make time to say hello? But I said, twice a week, schedule 30 minutes to walk around the office and talk about anything but work. Now, I said, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to you. The first four weeks, they're going to think you have cancer. (laughs) Now, I'm not kidding. They're really going to think you're dying. He said, you think? I said, no, I promise. Because you never do this. They're going to think you're up to something. You're going to get really strange looks. The first two weeks is a wash. I mean, this is honestly what I told them. The the first two weeks is going to be a wash. And then they're going to start to see that you're not up to something, but it's on your calendar, and you're learning to just love people better, but you're using your structure of your personality to do it. So I said, let's get lunch in a month. So we did. Lunch, Lunch comes back. He said, you know what's funny? All that was true. Like the first two weeks, all I got was, what's up? What do you need? Am I fired? Because you never come to my office. I said, but after about three weeks, he said, I began to see the guard go down. And the health of his team went up. Because... God made him not to be wicked relational, super relational, crazy relational, but God did make us for people. Interruptions can be sent from God. Not always. But we're called to go beyond. And if we can't be there for people, then who can we be there for? Because God called us to reach people. And that's true for extroverts and introverts and people right in the middle. You see, when we're, when we're so locked in to our own agenda and we're so locked into our time, let me tell you what's going to happen to you. When, when, when you are a slave to the task, then you're often never fully present. You're never fully present. People are kind of like Lucy, you know, want, 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 and, and, you know, Snoopy. People are just noise. But I, I can promise you, at the end of your life, people will matter 
And your job won't be nearly as important as it is to you right now. But people will be. In your job, at the end of your life, you're not going to be surrounded by spreadsheets. That's awesome. You're not going to be surrounded by more metrics. You're not going to be surrounded by more sales sheets or P&Ls or more lesson plans. You're going to be surrounded by people because people matter most. And we're called to be fully present. Now, why, 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 do, why would Jesus say eye for an eye, tooth for tooth? Why would he say give them more? Why would he say, why, why would Jesus say if they want to go one mile, go two? Why? Why would Jesus say that? What's he getting at? Is Jesus trying to make us nicer people? No. No. In fact, I think the Sermon on the Mount at times is, is looked at as a way to be nicer. That is not what Jesus is. He's not getting at being nicer, better, easier to be around kind of people. It's not what he's doing. Jesus didn't write this for the whole world. Jesus didn't say this for the whole world. The standard is for Jesus' followers. That's who the standard is. The standard in the Sermon on the Mount is for Jesus' followers. And Jesus' followers are called to go beyond. Why? Why can they take off their coat, even though it was a prized possession, and give it to somebody else? Because they know they are not living for this world. Why can, why can Jesus' people see a person as a gift and not an interruption? Because we're not living for this world. We're called to live beyond it. Why, why can Jesus' people not sue, and that is not pursue retribution and revenge? Because we know we're not the judge to bring out the wrath. You see, we're not living for this world, and that's why we're called to live beyond it. That's how the kingdom life looks. And I think there's probably no better truth teller. If you want to prove anything that I've said to you today, if you want to put any of this to a test, well, I've got one for you. And it's really simple. If you, if you, if you question any of what I've said today, I can tell you, you and I both share something in common. And it's the ultimate test that we are called to let God be the judge of the wrongs. We are called to let our possessions just be managed because the Lord loaned them to us. They're not ours to keep. And we're called to see people as God's great gift. Why is that? Well, that simple test is there's going to be a day when you die. You realize that's coming, right? There's going to be a day that you die. And on the day that you die, you literally will have no clothes. I don't know what the judgment seat of God looks like. I don't look, know what is going to happen on the other side of the river, as it's said. But I can tell you, you will not have clothes you will not have a 401k. You won't. 
you will not have assets. Think about that. Everything that you worked so hard to get, you will have none of it. Well, I'm working really hard to have something for my family. Your family can squander that in a day. You ever seen that happen? Their family works really hard to leave something behind, and they just sell it all, and within a year, it's all gone. Nothing you work for is protected. Nothing that you work for. Does that mean we don't work for it? No, that doesn't mean that. What it means is, though, there's coming a day when when we're literally going to own nothing, have nothing. We have nothing in the end. And that's okay. It's actually more than okay. It's the way it was designed to be. It's the way God meant for it to be. Because we are told later in the Sermon on the Mount to trust the God that made it all. So I can look at people as, well, my time is kingdom time. I can look at possessions as just something that I manage for God's glory. I can look at injustices, even done to me, as something that come with the territory of this place called earth. It's, you know, you know why this matters so much, y'all? It matters so much because I wonder sometimes if Christians aren't spending a ton of energy trying to make heaven on earth when it was never meant to be that. It was never meant to be that. This is not heaven. You don't want it to be. We're called to live beyond it. And if we can get our minds wrapped around that, then God's freedom to use you in ways that you never thought possible are going to open up for you when you hold everything loosely in your hand, you know, maybe the easiest way to leave it today was that for every one of us in the room, maybe the, the most worshipful thing we could all do is just loosen your grip. If time is like maybe you're fine with money, but time, oh, you don't share it. Loosen your grip. If money is something that you, oh, you, you wrap your arms around that thing, man. Loosen your grip. If you're harboring something because you want justice, loosen your grip. And you're going to experience the joy of Jesus in all of those scenarios. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. 
man, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter. But sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world to sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.